The third day of Christ's Passion Week is filled full with meetings and with teachings. The Pharisees question his authority to teach. Having failed to get him in trouble with the ecclesial authority of the land, they make an attempt to entangle him politically, civilly, by asking him about taxes to Caesar. Of course, they fail here too. The next occurrence recorded in Christ's Tuesday is a picture of true selfless living. It's the widow's might. If you allow me, I'd like to quote at length from Alfred Edersheim. First, he sets the scene of Jesus perhaps even sitting on the steps on the gates, and he had a full view of the court of the women in the temple. The time for sacrifice was over. Those who still lingered had remained for private devotion, for private sacrifices, or to pay their vows and offerings. There were many places to make those offerings in that court, Edersheim. And as Jesus sat on these steps, looking out on the ever-shifting panorama, his gaze was riveted by a solitary figure. The simple words of St. Mark sketch a story of singular pathos. It was one pauper widow. We can see her coming alone as if ashamed to mingle with the crowd of rich givers, ashamed to have her offering seen, ashamed perhaps to bring it, a widow in in the garb of a desolate mourner, her condition, appearance, and bearing that of a pauper. He observed her closely and read her truly. She held in her hand only the smallest coins, two paratus, and it should be known that it was not lawful to contribute a less amount. Together, these two paratus made a quadrans, which was the 96th part of a denar, itself of the value of about seven pence. But it was all her living, perhaps all that she had been able to save out of her scanty housekeeping, more probably all that she had to live upon for that day. And of this, she now made humble offering to God. He spake not to her words of encouragement, for she walked by faith. He offered not promise of return, for her reward was in heaven. She knew not that any had seen it, for the knowledge of eyes turned on her, even his, would have flushed with shame the pure cheek of love. And any word, conscious notice, or promise would have marred and turned aside the arising incense of her sacrifice. But to all time it has remained in the church, like the perfume of Mary's alabaster that filled the house, this deed of self-denying sacrifice. More, far more than the great gifts of their superfluity, which the rich cast in, was and is to all time the gift of absolute self-surrender and sacrifice. tremblingly offered by the solitary mourner. And though he spake not to her, yet the sunshine of his words must have fallen into the dark desolateness of her heart. And though perhaps she knew not why, it must have been a happy day, a day of rich feast in the heart, that when she gave up her whole living unto God. And so perhaps is every sacrifice for God all the more blessed 
when we know not of its blessedness. This is indeed the picture of the love of God that we are to emulate, self-denying love. Complete trust and faith in the God who rules all things. But this was not the last event of Christ's public ministry that is recorded for us. That event comes a bit later. It was then, as we suppose, as Edersheim says, the evening of a long and weary day of teaching. As the sun had been hastening towards its setting in red, he had spoken of that other sun setting, with the sky all aglow in judgment, and of the darkness that was to follow, but also of the better light that would rise in it. Now, St. John tells us in his Gospel account, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Note the response of our Lord. Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Keep in mind that this is Jesus' last public act of his ministry in what is coming after. He continues, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. When we remember the context of what is going on and what will soon happen, These amazing words of Christ are even more amazing, aren't they? He is that grain of wheat for us. He loves us more than himself. He showed us the way. Our collect or prayer for this Holy Week reminds us that Jesus took upon him our flesh and suffered death upon the cross that we should follow the example of his great humility. This is our calling. This is the way to live out that faith that the widow from earlier in the day exhibited. Zosima, the holy elder monk in Dostoevsky's Brothers Karamazov, tells his guests, and above all, don't lie. One of the guests thinks he's referring to a lie he just told. No, says Zosima, not about that. Above all, don't lie to yourself. The man who lies to himself and listens to his own lies comes to such a pass that he cannot distinguish the truth within him or around him and so loses all respect for himself and for others. And having no respect, he ceases to love. This way of living drives all reality about the world and about God right out of us. And when this happens, we lose the ability to truly love.
truly loving is what Jesus is about and what he calls us to be about. I close tonight with another poem of Malcolm Geitz. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies. Oh, let me fall as grain to the good earth and die away from all dry separation. Die to my soul self and find new birth within that very death, a dark fruition deep in this crowded underground to learn the earthy otherness of every other, to know that nothing is achieved alone, but only where these other fallen gather. If I bear fruit and break through to bright air, then fall upon me with your freeing flail to shuck this husk and leave me sheer and clear as heaven-handled Hopkins, that my fall may be more fruitful and my autumn still a golden evening where your barns are full. Amen.